0: You can turn to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would like. I hope you brought your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can hunt around. I say that somewhat apologetically, because I know we don't have Bibles in every seat in the sanctuary, but you can look in the row in front of you for a Bible if you didn't bring one. we will try to get more Bibles soon. If you don't have a Bible at all, please come see me after the worship service, and I will give you one. It would be a delight to do that. My first car was a, a tiny 1975 two-door Toyota Corolla. We said that it had a 260 AC, and that is, the AC was you roll down both windows going 60 miles an hour. Um, it had a small four-cylinder engine in it. It didn't go very fast, especially if you had four teenagers in this tiny um, Toyota Corolla, and we'd pull up at an intersection, and there'd be one of our friends sitting in the car next to us, and you know, if you're a guy, what it was like when you pull up next to one of your friends in an intersection. is like, it is on, you know, and the light turns green, and We're going, and my friend's going faster than I am because his car is bigger than mine is. And my friends are saying, go faster, go faster. I'm like, well, one of you is going to have to get out and start pushing if you want us to go faster. Um, If you want a faster, more powerful car, you need a bigger engine, right? Is there an engine... That will power you, that will power us as Christians, as a church, as Hope Church. Is there an engine that will power us to to go and and be this church that God is wanting us to be? That would empower you to be the Christian, to to go out, that God um, is preparing you to be? Um, we're, We're in this series called God's Story Can Change Your Story. And... Part of this sermon series is thinking through how God has made each and every one of us, how God has made you, because God wants to use you as a light out into the community. What is the engine that will move you and move us out into the neighborhood to be a light? What is the engine that will move us to be for one another, That what we need to be for one another to, to build up this, this church family? What's the engine? um if you're if you've been coming to church for a while you may say oh, I know what the engine is the engine is the holy spirit well, that would be a pretty good answer right the holy spirit is the engine or you may say, may you might say the engine is is Christ's love for us Christ loves us and and we want to return his love and that kind of motivates us to to go share about Jesus and to Share Jesus' love with one another. Well, that's a pretty good engine, too. Well, I want to talk about a different engine today. Um, those are great engines, uh, absolutely. I want to talk about an engine that is part of the story of how God made you. Um, so let's get to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Notice that Jesus did not reluctantly go to the grave. He did not reluctantly go to the cross. Jesus did not have to get dragged to the cross kicking and screaming. Verse 2 says, there is a joy. There was a joy that was set before Jesus, a joy set before him that he embraced to endure so that he could endure the cross. There was a joy that moved him, that motivated him. Now, this isn't saying that the cross was a piece of cake for Jesus. It was excruciating. He had to persevere through it. But there was a joy that moved Jesus to get to the cross. There was this passion, this joy. I want us to think about our passions today because our passions move us. Our, our actions, they do not come from computer-like computations in our mind where we rationally think through, okay, which... which action will lead to the better outcome i know that's part of it that's part of what guides us but i would suggest that it's really our passions that that move us in a certain direction and i think the apostle paul would agree in part because he talks about in romans chapter 7 this dilemma this this fight this inner fight that he is experiencing where he says, the good things that I, I know I should do and the good things that I want to do, I don't do them. And then the, the evil things that I know I shouldn't do, that's what I wind up doing. What is going on here? Paul is thinking through. And then he says, in Romans chapter 7, verse 23, he comments on this. I see another work, another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. His mind is telling him one thing, but he is doing something else. These passions that move us. So I want to talk about an engine of our actions other than our minds. Our minds are important. What we think, that's very important. But I want to talk about our passions and how they can move us to ministry. How has God given you passions? Well, I think we can Um, talk about a few things on how God gives us passions. One, you have a natural affinity for certain things. It's kind of a a natural makeup in you. I I tried finding this um, artwork that I have of my daughter Kate, you know, I have five kids, um, and my artwork from them when they were, you know, two, three, they're all different, and some of the my kids, I mean, their artwork is just kind of crazy and colors all over the page and just kind of like an explosion of Crayola. Uh, I wish I had this piece for Kate that I could share with you when she was like three. And she had these little circles. And just the the, the top one inch of the page was drawn on these little circles, like five yellow circles all in a row, followed by... Five red circles all in a row, followed by four green circles all in a row, followed by four blue circles all in a row, and how different that was. And then if you look at their bedrooms, oh, my gosh, um, uh, Kate's. It's like the hotel room where you wish you could stay at. You know, it is. She has, a, she has a passion for organizing, right? None of my other kids have that. So you have these natural affinities for certain things. Um, Maybe your affinity is for building up something, acquiring. Maybe you have a passion for not just building up something, but actually building something with like wood and concrete and metal and nails and screws and to construct something. Maybe you are motivated by connecting with other people, networking and, and learning about commonalities, common interests and ways that we can benefit one another. Maybe you have a natural inclination um, towards performing, getting up in front of a crowd. Maybe that terrifies you, performing, getting up in front of a crowd. So what psychologists say is that we, we have these positive and negative valences that they are they're kind of natural to us. And a positive valence is when we're attracted to a certain thing. A negative valence would be when we're, you know, when we're uh, repelled by something. So real quick exercise, why don't you turn to your neighbor and let them know if you have a positive or a negative valence towards them. Don't do that. We're in church, for goodness sake. It's all positive valences here in the building. So we have natural inclinations, uh, which are passions of ours. Some of our, our passions are influenced by our giftedness, what we're good at. We generally are drawn towards things that we are good at. I'm a much better baseball player than a basketball player. And that's why around this time of year, when there's no more football and baseball is yet to come, I really am, you know, kind of the board sports fan. I'm not a big basketball fan because I'm not very good at basketball. I'm a much... Bigger baseball fan, because I'm better at it. But also, a third way that we have passions, and this is a real important one, are our life experiences. Our life experiences give us passions, and God uses our life experiences to shape our heart. And, and this is something we're going to talk more about next week. Um, and, and we can have really pleasant life experiences that are positive and how God shapes our heart, and we can have some, some negative, difficult experiences Experiences that God uses to shape our heart. Maybe you've gone through a serious illness in the past, and if so, God can use that to um, help you really understand others who are going through serious illnesses. Where you want to, you have empathy for them. You have a an easier time showing compassion because of the shared experience. Or maybe you've had a, a job loss and experienced an elongated period of joblessness and the difficulty there, but God has used that to shape your heart, and now you have empathy, you have compassion, you want to reach out to others who um, are going through um, a a period of unemployment. So God uses life experiences to give us passions. Now, why does God do all this? Why is God invested in these motivations, these passions in us? And I I think here's one of the reasons why God... Gives us passions. God gives you passions to power your actions. Jesus was moved by passion to the point that he died on the cross. And we'll talk about that joy that motivated Jesus, that moved Jesus in a little bit. But I want, you to, I want us to look at two things about Jesus being on the cross, being moved by joy scorning the shame of the cross. So two things. Uh, verse 2 says just that. Um, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. Remember Hebrews 12, verse 2. And I, I notice the word joy. Um, and, and what I want to do here is I want to talk about this yes and this no that Jesus claims on the cross that Jesus lives into. A divine yes and a divine no. You could put it like that. Jesus is saying yes to something. He's saying no to something on the cross. He says yes to God's grace. And that word joy, I think it's important to note that, that that word joy kind of is very linked to the word grace. It comes from the word grace. Joy is linked to the grace of God. We can be joyful because God is gracious. There are things to be joyful over because God is gracious. So what is grace? Well, grace is God's unmerited favor. Or you could say that God's grace is his love in action. He loves this world, and so he he puts into this world things that are blessings, that we can enjoy because God loves the world, and we don't deserve them. They're unmerited God is gracious. so He's given us many things to enjoy, to find joy in. God's grace is why we can have passions in the first place. You know, maybe the passion for artwork, beauty like that. The passion for music, the passion for creating something, building something. If you like to build things and you get done with your structure, whatever you built, oh, there's this, this joy inside of you. The passion for your spouse the passion for community, being in a a community where everyone feels like they belong, that that no one is afraid, the passion for, for that kind of community. We can enjoy those passions because God is gracious, and Jesus is saying yes to the grace of God on the cross. So think about what you are passionate about, whatever it is that you really enjoy, it's because God in his goodness has given you that to enjoy. Notice that God's grace is more than just about the forgiveness of sins. It's, it's much bigger than that. It's what fills this world with good things. Kind of gone on and on about that. So Jesus says yes to that. Jesus also says no on the cross. He scorned the shame of the cross. So look. He scorned its shame. Now, that word scorn, it means despise, but it means even more than that. It means to show great contempt for something. It means to mock something. It means to to mock. It means to... Ridicule, ridicule, to belittle, when Jesus died on the cross, he belittled all of the shame that went with the cross. Now, today, when we see a cross, and we don't have this negative reaction towards the image of a cross. It's a, it's a positive reaction, right? In Jesus' day, that, that symbol of a cross was impossible to have this positive reaction towards because it was a symbol of brutality. It was a symbol of what strips someone's life from them, their humanity from them. It was, the, the cross was designed to, to inflict just death, um, suffering. It was the, the symbol of utter humiliation because you're beaded and just hung up there for hours and hours and hours. Do you finally suffocated and died? And Jesus somehow was Mocking all of that evil, all of the pain, that, um, the humiliation that went with dying on the cross. And by being willing to die on the cross, I mean, just think about that. Jesus was willing to do that. It was kind of him getting in the face of evil and saying, I'm, I'm going to win out here. He was defeating it. He was was defeating Satan. Telling Satan, you do not have ownership of this world. Think back to Genesis chapter 3. And Adam and Eve sin against God, and there's this curse that God pronounces to Adam, Eve, creation, but also the serpent that deceived Adam and Eve. And God said... To the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So Satan, you might get the heel strike, but he's going to get the head strike. And so the paradox of the cross is Jesus dies on the cross. That's the heel strike. But it is it is by taking on that heel strike that Jesus gains Ultimate victory over Satan. It's like he puts on the big, heavy work boot and just stomps on Satan's head on the cross, defeating Satan, saying no to the power of Satan, no to the humiliation, the pain, the suffering that, that tries to strip us from joy and enjoying this life that God has given us. That's Jesus living with passion. We're called to live with passion, right? So what is Jesus on the cross and him living at this passion, with passion? What does that that mean for us? I I think it means this. Use your passion to unleash your godly yes and no, just like Jesus did on the cross. Unleash your godly yes and your godly no as you live at your passions. And we look at two scriptures. One is um 1 Timothy chapter 6. You turn there if you want. When we live with passion, we are saying yes to God filling this world with good things for us to enjoy. We have a good God. When you enjoy the things that God has given you, living with passion, you're saying, Yes, gosh, God, we are grateful for your goodness. Do you enjoy cooking? Then by all means cook. If you enjoy painting, then by all means, paint. Creating, then by all means, create something. If you enjoy repairing things, then get in there and repair something. If it's organizing, then start organizing something and enjoy the things that God has given us to enjoy. And know that when you are doing that, God is pleased. I don't know if you've seen the movie Chariots of Fire back the 1984 movie, so it goes back a little while the story of Eric Little, the, um, the Olympic runner from Britain, back in the 19, set in the 1920s, I think. And he was a gold medal winning runner. He was a committed, faithful Christian. And in the movie, there is this line of why he runs. And in the movie, uh, Eric Little says, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. So God has given you these passions, and when you exercise them, we'll talk about how in the right way, you know, when you exercise them in the right way, God is pleased with that. So living with passion means enjoying the gifts of God, that's this divine yes that we kind of participate along with Jesus when we live with passion. Um, here's the divine no. Living with passions means battling, means battling evil and injustice because that's what Jesus does on the cross. This is how you unleash your, uh, your godly no. You say no to inequality. You say no to to injustices in the world. You say no to the things that seek to blind people from the love of God and experiencing God. You say no to the exclusion of others. You say no to people feeling second or third class just because they're in a different economic bracket. Because you know, that happens, right? You say no to despair that someone may feel if they feel hopeless like God is isn't with them, you say no to that. You say no to hunger. You say no to people missing out on the the grace and the blessings of God. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, Some years ago when I was involved in student ministry in Northwest Houston, there was a a teenager, a senior high girl named Amanda. And Amanda uh, lived in a family that was in that kind of the the lower economic bracket level. I mean, they struggled financially. And Amanda's mom one day was sharing with me this great honor that Amanda was given. There was this out-of-town trip that was it was it was kind of an awards deal, celebrating an, an accomplishment of hers. And she was invited to go. She didn't have the money to go. She didn't have money for the clothes to go, a nice dress to wear at this. And so let's talk about connecting our passion with reaching out and blessing someone. So we had several of our adult youth leaders that were really good at, at building up money, quite honestly. Um, they, that was a passion, investing money. They were good at it. And Someone can be really good at that and have a big old pile of dough and enjoy it all themselves, and that's one thing. Or you can unleash your godly no. Through your passion and what they did, what I did is I said, "Hey, Bruce and Harry, their names. um, Here's what's going on with Amanda. Is this something you would consider helping out with?" And they say, "We'll take it from here." (laughs) And their wives were also helping to lead the student ministry. And oh my gosh, they just they just saved Amanda. I mean, they. Her wives, their wives took her out, and they went shopping, they got her this great dress, and they got her other clothes to wear, nice clothes to wear on the trip, and they covered the gap of the cost of the trip, and she just went out and had an amazing time, and that's just a great example of using your passion, what you're good at, for Bruce and Harris kind of making money, and then they use it to say no to just... Amanda feeling left out, second class, and it was beautiful. And we can do that. So the next scripture I want to look at is 2 Corinthians 8. So this really important point about our passions. It's this, godly passions leads to generous living. God richly provides for us, so we can be generous. So, 2 Corinthians chapter, 11, chapter eight, verse eleven, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, "You will be enriched in every way." That's kind of the same word that we read in the, the, the Timothy passage. It means it's a, it's a quantity amount. You are greatly, you are greatly enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. So the application here is not too complicated, right? When you enjoy what you are passionate about, make sure that you are, you're sharing that with others. You know, use your creativity to figure that out. If you love to cook, then invite some people over to enjoy your good cooking. Um, if you love to repair things and look for ways that you can fix other people's broken things, Do you enjoy to network and gather these resources from others and then do so and figure out how we can help one another out sharing those resources? You get the idea. So let's talk about a next step for us. Um, Identify the who and the how of your passion. Who do you have a heart to serve? God gives us a heart for serving different people, if you take out your, your note sheet, your sermon note sheet, there's, uh, the bottom half is just dedicated to possibilities, to, to you know, some, some people that you may be passionate for. And maybe looking through this list, it will inspire you to think of other people that you are passionate for, passionate for helping, based on your life experiences and your natural valences that God has given you. And what you're good at, you know, do you, do, you, do you want to make sure that kids do well in school? And, you know, do, do you want to reach out to new Christians to help them grow in the Lord or new Christians here at the church to welcome them in? Who do you have a passion for serving? And then the second question, how are you eager to serve them? And so there's a list of actions that you can just kind of think through. Do I like, you know, do I like starting something or building something or developing something? Or do I like improving or organizing or maximizing? Different ways that you can share yourself, your gifts to help others out. And listen, if you don't know, so what I'm asking you to do is connect the dots, right? Connect the dots of, who you have a passion for serving and how you are passionate about serving them. And it might not be obvious, that connection. How do I connect those dots? And then you've got to pull others in, right? You've got you to ask your spouse, talk to your spouse about it. How can I do this? Talk to someone at church. Talk to a ministry leader at church. How can I do this? Talk to a good friend, your small group. How can, how can I do this? Help me connect these dots. I'm really passionate for these people, passionate about doing this. How can I connect those dots? All right, so um, finally, one final thought. The engine of your serving is your passion. What is the, what is the engine for our passion? The engine for our passion is Jesus' passion. This joy that was set before Jesus that moved him to get on the cross. What was that joy? That joy is you. You are the joy that was set before Jesus that moved him to get on the cross. And on the cross, he said, yes. And he said, no. He said, yes, I am so passionate for you. I passionately love you. And I want you to experience the grace of goodness of God, God's heart for you. And that is why I am dying for you. And he said, no, I do not want you to live anymore with shame because I've died for your sins. And so now you appear blameless before God. He said, no, I do not want you to feel separated from God. And now I have removed all separation. There's nothing that separates you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I've died so that you can be with me and that I can be with you. Let's take a moment. Um, I'm going to pray over us. I want you to think about kind of connecting those dots. Who do I have a passion for? How do I have a passion for serving them? And let's ask the Holy Spirit to send us out. Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for this good world that you have given us. It can be a painful world at times and lonely. And um, it doesn't have to be that way, especially when your church gets moved by this, this passion inside of us. We pray that you would help us to live beyond ourselves and look for people to, to serve and to be generous towards in whatever way that you have given us to be generous towards them. Pray even this week, Lord, that you would put us in the right place, that you would lead us to the right place, so that we can reach out and share in word or in deed the good news of Jesus Christ. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.